Good evening, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Running Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, and I'm here today with Anthony Gorgeous. Anthony, how are you doing on this fine Friday evening? I'm doing good. Had a couple days off. We both had a lot going on over the past couple days, so we just decided to take a few days off. And I mean, I was unavailable in the evenings, and you obviously had some stuff going on too, so good to be back on the air, first of all. Second of all... We got a big game to talk about because last night, NBA Finals occurred. Our initial predictions were correct. Yes, sir. However, our more recent predictions were not. Less so, less so. But in general, it's great to be back. Could be the last one for a little while. Unfortunately, yes. You know, it's just good to be on the air. So here we go. I mean, let's just get right into it, Jasmine. Last night, NBA Finals, Game 6. We both agreed before the series started, we both thought Golden State would win. That was our main, our main basically topic for the thing was Boston is probably not going to win this series, but they can make it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we both kind of were like, whoa, when Boston wins game one. I don't think that really sits in anybody's mind because Golden State controls game one. True, true. But let's just face it, Golden State showed who they were the last two games. When they needed to to step up, they did. And, I mean, what else can you say about Steph Curry? Like, the guy has won now four championships. Golden State wins their fourth in, what was it, four and eight years. Yeah, fourth and eight years, and they've gone to the finals six times in eight years. What a run, first of all. For real. Second of all, you know, good for Steph because he finally got his – uh, finals MVP. MVP. Yeah, yeah. The one trophy he was missing. Good for Clay. He had those two devastating injuries. It was, Just it was a all around team win. Like I thought last night, Boston at home would find a way to win. And I I told you this. I was had a for my internship. I had an event last night, so I didn't get to turn the game on until the fourth quarter. Now I've gone back and I've watched some more of it. But if you just watched the first probably, what, five minutes of the game, mm-hmm. you probably would have thought, wow, Boston's got this under control. Because when not. I first checked the score, it was 14-2. to two. You know, because, I mean, I had this event, so I wasn't able to monitor much. But still, I was like, wow, Boston really understood the task and they were ready to roll. And obviously, you can explain it more, Golden State just manhandled them the rest of the way. And I tell you, I was, I was shocked to actually – see that Golden State won this game because I was really expecting and so was everyone else that Boston would you know fight back like literally do something because I've talked about Golden State this um this postseason hasn't been very good at closing out games and that's been at every series it's been like that when Denver they had a chance to close them out they eventually did it in five same thing um with Memphis following with Dallas as well they always they always lost the closeout game and so I figured that this would this would be the same same thing against Boston at Boston. If it, I mean, if it was a closeout game like in San Francisco, I'd be like, yeah, I I think I think the Warriors will take that. But since this game was in Boston, I had confidence that the Celtics, like I said, would fight back, literally do something. And they started out the they started out the game really good. I was like, okay, this is exactly what we what we thought was gonna happen. Cause like I I and I thought I predicted this right. I even tweeted it out like, see, this is like bot like 
Warriors are not good at closing out games this postseason. They can't. They're not going to beat Boston in Boston. And I like doing that because that means every time I tweet it, it's going to be wrong. And I'm like, great, I set the agenda because I originally called Warriors in six. So I'm glad that I'm right. I want to pat my own damn back for that that I was correct. But that was really. I was still really shocked to see this because after the Celtics really had that great start, then the Warriors went on a 21 to zero run directly after that, and that's the largest run in like 50 years in the NBA Finals was a 21 to zero run. And I tell you, Boston folded. They they really did. The, Boston showed us who they were. They showed us who they were in this series because, granted, they, they I guess, kind of surprised some people the first game, got the win, even though Golden State had the full control of that game except for the fourth quarter. Then game three, Boston were like, okay, we thought they'd unfigured something out. And then they lost three straight in the NBA Finals. That's the first time they've lost three straight games in the year of 2020. They they got busted up. They they folded. They they really really folded in this game. We're gonna get to that a little bit more, but like you said, Steph Curry. My goodness gracious, the man finally got one an NBA like a Finals MVP. The one thing that he really needed because he he averaged thirty points in this in this series against the number one defense in the league. Like hello, do you do you guys understand the? His primary defender was Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year. And he was handing buckets. Granted, I know Marcus Smart wasn't attached to this man's hip the entire time for 48 minutes every other night. But when you have a collective team defensively who is best in the NBA, follow, like following the lead of the defensive player of the year, this man is still averaging 30 points this entire series. And... The man, that's really all he needed. He was already an eight-time All-Star, two-time MVP, uh, all-time three-point leader, two-time scoring champ, and grant and like four-time NBA champion. And think about this. He he's won three MVP awards this season. Starting off when he was the All-Star MVP, then go on to the West uh, Western Conference Final MVP and now Finals MVP. So there was a bunch of discussion, like where, like does Curry now belong on that Mount Rushmore of basketball? There was a ton of argument about this. Some people say yes, a lot of people say no, and that's a really difficult decision to make. That because, like, because there's only four faces on Mount, on Mount Rushmore, and that doesn't seem to be enough when you're talking about basketballs, basketball, and the all-time greats to ever play the game. So I'm like. There, because you have, because you have Magic, you have Shaq, you have Bill Russell, you have Will Chamberlain on there. And then other people like Matt, like you got Michael Jordan, you got LeBron, you have Magic there too, and Shaq. There's just too many names you can throw up there on Mount Rushmore. I'm like, you need a Mount Rushmore for position or something because there's so many names. Because now I feel like you can't leave Steph Curry off of anything when you're even talking about top ten NBA greats. Uh, where like Anthony, where would you even put him after this? Because all the accolades that I read off about Steph Curry, and how this man literally changed the game of basketball, where would you, where would you put him in your top ten? First of all, I'm going to say this because Steph Curry still feels relatively young to me. Mm-hmm. I had to look up how old he was. Yeah, he's 34. Yeah, Clay Thompson is 32. Draymond Green's 32. So. I'm going to make this bold prediction before I answer your question. Golden State will win another trophy. Man, that was going to be one of my other questions. I mean, 
I thought this t- I, I legit thought Steph was younger than 34 because he literally plays like it. Feels like he hasn't aged at all since he's been in the league. He's yeah. just incredible. So he's going to keep climbing this ladder you're talking about. He's just going to keep adding layers because you can put him, you know, in the top 10 of all time if you want right now. I bet the guy's got three, four more solid seasons in him. See, then now I'm, you know, leading up to this question, how many more titles do you think the Golden State Warriors can win within the next four years? Gosh, that's tough. Because granted, think think about, because they also have their, I think, top three overall pick, James Wiseman, who hasn't really played, and they got the seventh and tenth pick of last year's draft with Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. So all three of them, really good players from those two seasons where they were just trash. And just add that to what they already have. Those are three players already that that didn't really play a minute in the finals. And that's exactly what they were saying last night on the broadcast. Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were saying Golden State has a realistic chance to let some of these guys go if they need to, not sign everybody back, because they're going to get younger. As crazy it is to say, they're going to get younger because of the guys you just mentioned. I think Golden State will win one more. Just one? I mean, as much as I hate to say it, no offense to you, your Mavericks are going to get better, so obviously that's good for, that's good for you. Oh, that's I'm, great I'm for not me. a Dallas fan at all, so that's why I said that. Uh-huh. The Suns, they're going to be good again. Yeah. The, the Grizzlies are just going to get better. Mm-hmm. Who knows what you're gonna get? Oh, it's out of the out of the Timberwolves. You know, you never know what you're gonna get out of them. Yeah. Boston's gonna be back because Boston wasn't really expected to be here this year. They're gonna be back. I think Golden State will for sure win one more championship. I think Steph gets to five, just like his coach Steve Kerr. I, it's possible they win two more. I think they win no more than two. You know, for the rest of his career. Because he literally talked about it last night. They interviewed him twice. And he said, nobody expected. He said, we didn't even expect to be here. He said, you know, we all thought there was a realistic chance. But we're not the most talented group of guys. And the term championship DNA describes his team perfectly. I mean, Draymond, Clay, Steph. Then you add Inguidala. He didn't play much, but he's still in there for four rings. Mm -hmm. So, you got that foundation. You got all the talent. They're going to get one more. I mean... It sounds like you think they can get more than one. I, I think they could at least get two more because as long as you have that core group of guys, even though I know Andre Iguodala, he, he, didn't, I, he didn't play a lot, but he was definitely a huge part in those other three rings. Hold on a second. He needs to retire right now. And There's no better way to go guy. out than this. You mm-hmm. didn't get to play much your last year. You still won a championship. Retire now. I mean, honestly, I never realized how old Andre Iguodala is. He he played with Allen Iverson in Philly, I think, when he first came into the league. I'm like, I never, I didn't, I, I kind of knew something about that, but I'm like, I did not know how long this man has actually been in the league. So if he was to retire right now, right off into the sunset, cool. But now, if he can find a way to get to the Warriors coaching staff, so you still have that four core group of guys, especially Andre Iguodala coaching up, you know, some of the players, like he was already high-key doing during this entire postseason when he wasn't playing. He was already coaching some of the guys up. And then you still have Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry. Klay Thompson, he was only like not even 100% healthy yet. He came off of two devastating injuries, and this is his first year back. He hasn't even played a full season yet. 
he's going to be a lot better because this is a Clay Thompson. He He's come off of two incredible and rough injuries being an ACL tear and an Achilles tear to be a really to be a good NBA player, to be able to start, even though we know exactly who this man was, you know, before the injury. He was just left off the top 75 NBA all-time list. But the healthier he gets, the better he's going to be. And he didn't even have a great, you know, postseason or a great NBA final series. And then you still got Draymond Green. He can he could still, you know, play defense. Like I said, he's not the offensive he juggernaut. He did well last night. The he last did, two games. He did fantastic last night. He made two threes. I can't believe that. He, and they were like they're like eight and zero oh, or seven and zero oh when Draymond shoots a three. Jackson, makes he, a three. He almost had a triple double last night. He was twelve so points, close. twelve rebounds, eight assists. And that was our main talking point a couple of the games ago is they just need a little bit of something from Draymond Green. Games 5 and Game 6, he came out with different energy. Yep. And look what happened. They get propelled. You know, he's not expected to score 12 like he did last night. They just need 6 to 8 points. Right. He's going to get his rebounds. He's going to play defense. But 12 points, shoot, they won by 13. Exactly. And I expect Draymond to play at, be able to play at this level for at least – two or three more seasons and then of course Steph Curry his 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 energy like his ability to I don't I'm trying to what is the correct word like his endurance is a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for at the age of 34 at the age of 34 and the way that he plays where he is he's just he's a shooter this is someone who can play for a very long time still just being a shooter. But the thing about him, he's not just a shooter, though, because... Exactly, like, exactly. When Al Horford went out to guard him last night, he's still so quick mm-hmm. and shifty. He could just... Yeah, exactly. You yeah. just did a little motion here in the studio. He could just go around you, lay it up and in. No problem. So, I think, realistically, he's got four to five more strong years. Yeah. Now, here's the next portion of this, you know, dynasty that I guess you could say is not over yet. Andrew Wiggins is a very good reason why they went on to win the, the championship. Yes. What happens to him? He had 18 points last night. Phenomenal defense. He had 26 points in Game Five. Is he a guy you can afford to bring back? He got his he got his his ring. Does he come back to Golden State? Absolutely, he does. I mean, is look, he going to want is- a massive contract though? Look, I don't. I see that's up to with him and the and the owners and the GM to discuss. But I'm saying they've been able to bring their four core players back: and Andre Iguodala, Draymond, Steph, and Clay Thompson, and at one point Kevin Durant. They were able to do that, and they were able to do that for like six years. And those are the years that they repeatedly went to the finals. I think they can do this as well, because. Like I said, I don't know all about the money thing because I definitely think they're going to pay um, Andrew Wiggins. I don't know what the max contract is going to be. I don't know if he's going to get a max contract because dependent how how much faith they're going to put in Jonathan Kaminga, maybe they'll only give Andrew Wiggins a, you know, a couple of years, maybe two or three years left to be you know, on the Warriors. And you can still get your, your another ring in that You can that still run. get that another ring, and you can have Jonathan Kaminga still come off the bench. And then you still have uh, James Wiseman, who has been injured pretty much these last two seasons, so you haven't seen a lot of him. But, I mean, the Warriors, they've won with worst bigs. I'd say they were able to win a championship with uh, Jacha Pachula, 
and um, and Bogut. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And Kavon Looney. Kavon he Looney had better leave, zero better points those. last night. He had zero points, but he was still effective. And he had a, he had a pretty decent series. Kavon Looney did, especially when it comes to rebounding the ball. That's his role. His role is to rebound. That that's literally all that he is supposed to do is rebound the ball. So you still have you know depending who starts, that's up to Steve Kerr whether it's you know Kavon Looney or James Wiseman. One of those two subbing in for each other. I'm telling you, that's that's some good stuff that the Warriors would have when they've won championships with worse bigs in their past. And like I said, they're getting out now. What did they do with Jordan Poole? Now that he's I don't only know. Twenty two years old. Yeah, he's just twenty two years old. He's gonna want to get a bag this summer. Will they pay him? I'm not sure. They, that's that's something they have to do. But just also think about it. Yeah, these guys may want a bag, but they also probably want to get another championship. There has been. Of several amount of guys who take less money to be able to go and compete for an NBA championship. And if those guys are cool with that, then I definitely see them winning at least two more national championships in the next four years. So just looking at some of the stats from last night, Golden State wins by 13, 103-90 over Boston. This was a very even game. Golden State, 41% from the field, Boston, 42 Basically the same percentage from three, Golden State 41%, Boston 39 The difference in the game, though, and I know you were going to bring this up, so I wanted to hit on this, Yeah, is the turnovers. Yes, Golden sir. State had 15, which still a large amount, but Boston, they just they crumbled down the stretch. 22 turnovers, and when it got into crunch time, they cut it to nine with like three minutes to go, and I texted you, I said, I think it's over. And then you said, not till zeros hit the clock. And then back-to-back turnovers led to a couple of baskets from Golden State. And you're like, what happens if they, you know, just one of them doesn't turn the ball over? Because they were bad turnovers. And I understand, you know, you get in crunch time, you start playing a little tighter, and you don't want to mess up, and that leads to more turnovers. But 22 turnovers for a team that played relatively clean all season? I, you see, because granted, because people... People have been sleeping on the Golden State's defense. They're actually the number two defense in the league this past year. So they they know how to work, especially, you know, following behind guys like Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton, the, the second, you know, the son of the glove himself, one of the best defensive players in the NBA in NBA history and also part of that top 75 team. Gary Payton, he played fa- he played fantastic, especially on the defensive end, but also offensively as well. And that's from coming back from a fractured elbow he suffered in the second round against Memphis. I when I when I saw that when I saw that injury and I heard it was a frac in a fractured elbow, I thought he was going to be done for the rest of the postseason. But he surprised everybody and came back with after literally fracturing his elbow. He broke his elbow. And he, and he was able to come back and play this well against that team in Boston, especially defensively. So really props up to him. And then, of course, Draymond, he, he's a great defensive player himself. And Steph Curry, he's not like the, like the greatest, greatest. He's not like the two-way player that a lot of other people are. But him defense, he's able to shuffle them feet now. His defense is very underrated. His defense is quite underrated. He's like I said, he's not able to like you know block everybody's shots, do this, that, and the third, and things like that. But he he's able to get some stops himself, and he has a lot of impressive you know stops because there's a lot of times, especially last night, where Boston players were hunting Steph Curry on on the uh, defensive end. They were absolutely going to go after him, trying to post him up. But then, you know, this was talked about earlier, like all the reason why there's so many turnovers, especially from, you know, Jason Tatum. We'll get to that even more in a second as he has 
had 100 turnovers this postseason, most in NBA history. It's like he was super indecisive. When a lot of players, you know, backed down Steph Curry, everyone, every one of them except for Marcus Smart was undecisive when they got to that position. And then that undecisiveness led to like a double team and them getting the ball turned over. And that happened several times, especially these past two games that they've been able to turn the ball over when they hunt Steph Curry in the post. And then they just get too slow and then they turn the ball over. They're just, they're not, it's the the pace, like the pace offensively, they're not, they're not keeping up. They're playing a lot slower than Golden State. So that's why every time they're backing down Steph Curry, they think they have time until the double team comes and that's when they turn the ball over. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad because like I said, like, bro, fight back. I was, I'm kind of disappointed in Boston, especially Jason Tatum, pretty much how he performed this entire series. I was really ex- hoping and expecting a lot more from him. Uh, like, I don't mean the crap on the guy because that's not the type of media person I want to be. But when you, when you play like cheeks, you play like cheeks. And that, and that's literally what it was. And here's a and here's a clip from uh, Kendrick Perkins on first take, who you know won a championship with Boston in his time. So he he's he's hard he's hard on him. He was expecting a lot from Boston, but here's his disappointment about Jason Tatum and if he deserves a lot of the blame for the Celtics losing. Oh, he deserves a lot of it. He deserves a lot of it for the simple fact that. You know, here's my thing when it comes down to Jason Tatum. You know, you were first team all NBA. You were an NBA all-star. See, when you when you get those type of credentials and now that you're labeled quote unquote a young superstar in the making, we saw what you did against Kevin Durant. We saw how you went toe to toe with Giannis Antetokounmpo. We saw what you did in the Miami series. Listen, it's zero excuses for about being, I don't want to hear people talking about he was fatigued, he was tired. No, Andrew Wiggins snatched his soul last night. And if they would have got any type of Jason Tatum that we know, that we saw throughout the postseason prior to the finals, I mean, uh, coming up to the finals, mm-hmm. Jason, then the Celtics would have had a great shot of winning this. It was not one single game, Molly that he was the best player on the floor. Not in the series, it was not one single game. Hell, to be honest, in the finals, he wasn't even the best player on the team. Jalen Brown was. So yes, Jason Tatum deserves a lot of blame for this. Jason Tatum in a closeout game, season on the line, on their home floor, he had 13 points. Only two points in the second half. He finished the series out with shooting 37% from the field and 100 turnovers in the postseason. That's the most turnovers in NBA playoff history. So you and I kind of have different expectations from some of these superstars. I mean, you said the other day in order for it to be a successful game for Jason Tatum, he needs to have at least 30 points because he needs to lead his team. Yes. I think realistically you're in the range of, 20 to 25 you're doing enough that being said 13 points is atrocious when you're the main guy like Perkins was saying when you go toe-to-toe with some of the best you know leading up to the finals you got to be able to put your best foot forward and perform on the biggest stage and he didn't do it I think one game he had 28 which is successful in my opinion a couple games he had 22 
The turnovers, only 13 points last night. Not good. You know what else is not good for Boston? What? Game five, only 10 total bench points. And six of them come from two bench guys in the last minute of the game. Oh, their bench absolutely disappeared last night. The last like four was games was way worse. Boston, thirty-one combined minutes from the bench, they had a total of five points. I'm five bench points from Boston. Golden State, they had thirty-seven minutes from between Peyton and Poole. They had twenty-one points. Boston just gets any production from their bench. They're in this thing all the way through. If Jason Tatum scores a little more, they're in this all the way through. Tatum forgot to show up, did not play well, and the bench was just nowhere to be found. If it wasn't for Jalen Brown putting up 34 points, this game would have been blown wide open. Granted, for for a while it was 15, 17-point game. We're talking 25, 30-point game if Jalen Brown didn't put up 34 points. And you see, like, it's... It seems so hard to try to get those two players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, to really play well at the same time. That seems like it's been the theme pretty much since they started playing together. Jason, um, Jalen Brown got there a year before uh, Jason Tatum did, and people talked about breaking them, breaking them up, which I'm glad they did it because the reason they've gotten so far in their postseason before is because of those two guys. But it was, seems to be really hard for those two guys to play well at the same damn time. But in Jalen Brown, he did the best he could. Granted, he, he never played, like, well the entire time, but, like, he, he did something. Like, Jalen Brown was the best Celtics player this entire series right. for Boston. And he wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, granted, he was like, we know, like, Jalen Brown scoring 34 points or getting 40 points, 45 points, that doesn't surprise anybody because he he, he got that dog in him. That's every, Everyone's not going to be surprised by that. And Jason Tatum does too. But the fact that Jason Tatum just kind of, he, he, he folded. He looked like a deer in the headlights out there. Like, this, like, the moment was literally too big for him because – um, Andrew Wiggins, goodness gracious, Jason Tatum is going to see that man every time he closes his eyes because how much that Andrew Wiggins locked this man up. There was still he, there was no adjustments to make that. This was this was the same defense the entire series, and Jason Tatum just pretty much played like cheeks throughout the entire time. I'm telling you, he like 37 percent from the field throughout the entire series, throughout six games, 33 percent from two point shots. That is that is really really bad for someone who has not even adjusted even to the slightest bit on how he's playing his game to be able to do something. And if he's not scoring, okay, fine, find a way to contribute somewhere else. Like he did it really really well in that first game, game one, where they were able to beat the Celtics after like a fourth quarter comeback. He had 13 assists off two turnovers and played pretty well defense down the stretch. That's good. That's what you do when shots are not falling for you. But then he kind of stopped doing that for the rest of the series. When when buckets aren't going your way, you're not getting your shot, you're not getting your legs underneath you, find somewhere else to contribute to help your team. Start dishing it out a little bit more. Start grabbing more offensive rebounds. Play better defense. Do something. And that's just he, – he just wasn't able to do that. That's for someone who is literally the face of the Boston Celtics. That's that's who this man is. So this is from what we've seen in the regular season and a good portion of this postseason is not the same Jason Tatum we just saw in these finals. 
Marcus Smart needs to be held accountable too, though, because only nine points. Yeah, he, granted, he plays great defense. You said he was a defensive player of the year. He plays great defense, but it's kind of the same situation we we're talking about earlier. Is you got to produce on the biggest stage, and he made some big time shots throughout the run in the playoffs. He did, but you can't have nine points, you know, when it's do or die time, especially at home. Game six in front of your home crowd. I mean... I mean, between those two, Jasmine, they had 22 points. Usually, you're talking about 40, 45 points combined is a bad night for them. That's a bad night for those two combined. 22 points on, you know, elimination game. That's And like you said, Golden State's defense does not get enough credit. They are a lot better than people think. However, if you're a good player, you got to find a way to score. You're right. And Steph Curry did, and he was guarded by Marcus Smart. Exactly. We talked about Jalen Brown being the only reason this game wasn't a blowout last night. I just still can't believe the guy's playing. Al Horford, I mean, he, he had, he what did he have, 30-some points? I think it was game one, 26? Yeah, he had 26 points and game six one. And threes. And then, he, and then he combined for like 30 points from game two to four. But he had 19 last night with 14 rebounds. Yeah, he went off in the third quarter, especially. 36 years old. Mm -hmm. Like, when I think of Al Horford, like, it feels he's like he's been in the league for forever. Yeah. So, good for him. The problem is, there wasn't a lot of help. Besides those two guys, Jalen Brown and Al Horford, everybody else forgot to show up. I, I guess I would say Robert Williams, the third, had a pretty good night. Ten points, seven boards. Five blocks. Five blocks, too. Five yeah, he, blocks. He was one of those guys that surprised me because I know what he's been all season long, but he really showed up in the playoffs. Hey, I, I kind of had a had a taste of what Robert Williams was able to do because uh, last year when they played against uh, the Brooklyn Nets in the first round, the Brooklyn Nets ended up winning that round, but he was so close to a triple-double of double-digit points, rebounds, and blocks. I think he he ended that game with double-digit points, double-digit rebounds, and eight blocks that game. The man was ridiculous on the defensive end, and I've praised him this entire time about what he's able to do defensively and his shot-blocking capability and shot-altering capability. Even that was still, you know, showing up. So I definitely – the credit goes for at least for last night, Jalen Brown and uh, – excuse me, Jalen Brown, Al Horford – and Robert Williams for sure, and the most consistently, Jalen Brown and Robert Williams for the Celtics. Those two guys, they they definitely get a lot of credit to even getting it to six games. They really do. But also, like you were saying, how all these guys really should have contributed a lot more. That's what I mean. Like they folded as a team, and people talked about today, which I, I goodness gracious, I hated it so much, saying that they were like needing of a point card to help facilitate them, to help calm them down in certain moments. Because I know when Golden State got their runs, it seemed like Boston just panicked and started to turn the ball over, uh, make bad decisions, rush the ball a little bit, all this, that, and the third. And saying like, you know, you need somebody to help say, hey, go over here, someone with a high basketball IQ to really help facilitate Boston and what they need to do. And I know Marcus Smart is great is a great, you know, point guard that he is. He's just not that type of point guard. That's that's not what he's there for. And people talked about that today on TV, and I'm like, bro, this is not a point guard friendly team, Boston, okay? They're really not because they had Kyrie Irvin, they had Kimball Walker, 
And they had Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson. They got rid of Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson this past season because stuff wasn't working out with them. They got rid of Kemba Walker last year because stuff wasn't working out with them. And then the year before that, they got rid of Kyrie Irving because stuff was not working out with them. I just listed four different guards who have played for the Boston Celtics in different seasons, and they all did not work out. This is just not a point guard-friendly team. I'm not saying that they all hate every point guard that walks into the building, but for someone to really be the, the main ball handler, it just doesn't seem to work with this team because all the names that I just listed out, all names that at least three of them can facilitate this team in some way, and it just never worked out. Because like you said, you, he, they had Kyrie, okay? And they had Kimball Walker, both two really good point guards. You know, Kimball Walker, unfortunately, seemed to lose all his mojo ever since he stepped into Boston. But they still had Kyrie. That didn't work out. And still Dennis Schroeder is no scrub as he won a championship with L.A. And Josh Richardson is a great role player. All those guys, they were just, they're gone. They did not last for more than more than a season. Kyrie Irving, Irving lasted the longest with two seasons. And then that was it. This is not a point guard friendly team because of how much Jason Tatum has the ball. I, I don't know how they're going to fix that because they're just, they're, they, they're always so close. They've been really, really close since the furthest they've gotten. But... They outperformed expectations in Ime Udoka's first year, though. That's, for sure. That can for definitely sure. be said because they're going to be back. We all know that. I mean, they're relatively still pretty young. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder now. Yeah. But you got to step up on the biggest stage. And like you said, Jason Tatum, he's going to look back for a long time and say, wow, like, this was yeah, rough. Definitely. And he's going to come back so much better. I I have all the faith One in the, the world that he is. That I really appreciate though is how he handled himself after the game. And I know a lot of people don't care about this kind of stuff, but it says a lot about you as a person and as a competitor. He could have, you know, they lost on their home court. It's sad. You've never experienced that feeling before. He could have put a towel on his head and went back to the locker room. What did he do? Instead, in the midst of all the celebration, he went and found Steph. Clay, Draymond, and Steve Kerr. And he wasn't showing any emotion. He was just generally talking to them, congratulating them. That's something I like to see. I know a lot of people are like, uh, who cares? Mm-hmm. But that shows a lot about him because You're he right. knows he's going to be there one day. Yeah. This is only, you know, a step in the journey. It's a hard one to take because you didn't play well and you lost at home. In the pain of the moment, watching them celebrate and you you hurt. But I just feel like, from a mature maturity standpoint, as a player, and also just as a regular person, that's the right thing to do. Like, it is. I really enjoy that. And I know a lot of people don't care about that stuff, but I think sportsmanship has gone away in a lot of ways. In a lot of sports, not just pros. And what he did last night, it just shows that like, he's a genuine dude, really great player, who just struggled, and he wanted to make sure the guys who didn't struggle were congratulated. Yeah. So, I mean, we can we can call him out for not playing well and everything, but in general, he's going to be fine. They're gonna they're gonna be better for a long time. They've just got to find a few more role players. I mean, their role players like Grant Williams. Heck, he scored he scored almost thirty points in a closeout game against Milwaukee. But he hasn't in the finals. And he, he, did not, he did not in the finals. Grant Williams literally disappeared in the finals as a role player. He's normally one of those spot-up shooter types. Like I said, was capable of getting almost 30 points, if not 30 points, against the Milwaukee Bucks, who has a pretty damn good defense themselves. 
So people were expecting to get that Grant Williams. Granted, that was the first time Grant Williams went off like that, but it was still that he's still able to contribute a lot more coming off the bench than he did here. Same thing with Derek White. Derek White was going off, especially after the birth of his first child. He was on that, you know, Fred Van Vliet type of stuff when Fred Van Vliet went off um, against Golden State when he was with and he's with Toronto after his kid was born. And then Derek White just kind of shriveled off somewhere. The The bench was definitely non-existent. And then the bench for Golden State was was existing, especially kicking off with Jordan Poole and then Gary Payton coming back in this series. Are you ready for an incredible stat about those two players? Please. In the last two games, Game 5 and Game 6, they've combined for a total of nine points. Icky. That's icky. I mean, they made the right move bringing in Derek White uh, in the middle of the season from uh, San Antonio and he's he's given them great production throughout the season and for throughout the postseason. But just this this series outside of the first game, the man was just non-existent. It was just a really rough time for him as well. And I still and I still like Grant Williams, especially as a rebounder and you know as a spot-up shooter in the corner. He still got some really good guys. It was just is I told you it was a team effort. They're all they're super duper young. They went up against the juggernaut that is the Golden State Warriors, and their experience and. Boston was very unexperienced. They looked like deer in headlights in a lot of games out there because when things weren't going their way, they folded. And that's what happened. There wasn't a, a lot of consistent fight from them. So that's something they'll definitely learn. This is a this was a learning experience for, for Boston. It truly, truly was. So that's why I'm not going to be surprised if they make another run at it within the next couple years as well because Jason, Jason Tatum, he's, he's 24. Jalen Brown is 25. Marcus Smart's 27. I know the oldest the oldest guy on there is Al Horford. And I think he's like thirty six, and and that's it. But I mean, and then Robert Williams, he's twenty two, I think. So this is a super duper young team who's going to come back. I have no doubt that they will. And this is a huge learning experience for for them because when everything started to go wrong, like I said, they froze. the the light The lights were too big at that moment. But that does not mean that they won't get back and won't learn from this experience. So I got a couple more things before we wrap up this NBA talk. All right. How great of an announcer is Mike Breen? We're both journalists now. That man is incredible. Goodness, he is. So I mean, good I just literally like I was sitting there last night watching the game, and every time he gets fired up and says "bang," I literally get chills. Like it is so awesome. I love it. Man, I tell you what, see, but that bang hits different when it's against your team, though. That's true, and I don't have a team in the NBA, so <laughs> that, I, that, I, that that bang was against my Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. I tell you, every time he did the bang, it was like he kicked me in my chest. But but I can't blame Mike Breen for that. That's his, that's a signature thing. It is, and also you know what's pretty good when he brings out the puts it in, just, and then he'll hit a little, he'll he'll chuckle a little bit, and it's like, man, this guy is incredible. I tell you what, and but, it's crazy because a lot of people probably don't realize how great some of these announcers are like a Jim Nance, Kevin Harlan, Mike Breen, like Doris Burke. Yeah, uh, they're incredible. As a regular sports fan, you don't notice that stuff. But when you get into the field like we do when we study sure. it and you analyze it here and there, it is so fascinating just to hear like how great they are and like how precise they are every single broadcast. I love, I love it. it. They're, they they really are like that, and you see why they're getting paid the big bucks. Well, at least I hope it's big bucks. I don't know what's ESPN. You would expect it to be, or TNT. But, Anthony, to wrap, what do you have one I more have thing? I have one more thing. Give it to me. 
and I hate I hate this kind of stuff, but I want to do it anyway. Okay. Give me your prediction for the new NBA champion next year. I want to know it. Way too early prediction <laughs> for the NBA well, championship next year. Know. And you can't go with the homer pick. You got to you got to go like full on. No homer pick? No no Dallas Mavs? Cause do I'm... you think it's a realistic possibility? No, but I don't care. <laughs> okay, give me the realistic <laughs> possibility. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. So, coming out of the East, it could still be Boston, but then again, Milwaukee being fully healthy. I think it'll be more Milwaukee out of the East. Uh, you have high expectations for Brooklyn. Oh, goodness, my voice cracked. What am I, 12? You have high expectations for Brooklyn with KD, Kyrie, and now Ben Simmons. But we don't know how that's going to shape out, and we've seen more than we dislike than we have liked from Brooklyn. So... I, I give it between Boston and Milwaukee, and I think it's going to be Milwaukee. Sorry for all you fools out there who wanted me to say Miami, even though they still have a chance, but I'm not sold. So I think it's going to be Milwaukee coming out of the East. Out of the West, that's going to be a whole different monster because, like you listed before, Memphis is going to be Memphis is going to be back. Dallas is going to be better. The Denver Nuggets, when they're all healthy, they're going to be something to mess with, with uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, Murray and uh, what's that other kid's name? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then the L.A. Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming back and the guys that they have, it's going to be tough. But The Suns got to make a run at some point. Like, man, the Suns have failed everybody. Like, no. Come on. No, got, they had their chance. You have your chance. They it's had like, their two you times. You just can't deliver. Two times they had their chance, so no. Grant, I'm not saying they won't be competitive, but coming out of the West, no, I don't think it's them. So I'd, it'd have to be between the Golden State and the L.A. Clippers. I think I'm going to give it back to Golden State. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think I think I can see Golden State going back. So, ooh, Golden All State right, and Milwaukee. Lock it in. I'm going to lock it in here. Send it out to Vegas. Jasmine has got Milwaukee and Golden State. I do have the Milwaukee finals. and Golden State. That's my final my final answer. Milwaukee Golden State. I'm clipping this. I'm saving this. So if I'm right, y'all sure as hell gonna gonna know it. Cause I will let y'all know. <laughs> but Anthony, please, too early. Tell me. Uh, I'm not too big of an NBA guy, but I think Golden State makes it back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna take Milwaukee to win the whole thing again. Goodness, ah, goodness, because, that's hurt me too. Because I love both those teams. Like, I just think Milwaukee should have made it past Boston this year. Like, if Chris Middleton was healthy, that definitely would have been the question. If if they probably would have beat Boston if Middleton was healthy. So I think Milwaukee rebounds, and I just love Giannis as a person. Like, he's phenomenal to watch. But he, you can just tell how much he generally loves the game of basketball and just how much fun he has. You never see the guy get like mad. Mm-hmm. And he's always cracking jokes those in the press jokes. conferences too. Yeah. So he's just one of those guys you got to like, you got to you got to like and you got to root for. So Love that man. That's right, my future I'm, ex-husband right there. <laughs> your future what? My future ex-husband, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You heard I'm, it here, folks. I'm going to book it here. I'm going <laughs> to say Milwaukee rebounds and take it all next year. All right, but now a quick question to wrap up all of this. Anthony, have you ever wondered what happens to all the championship T-shirts and hats for the losing team? Do you wonder where those things go? I do. Okay. And I I have because I was fully prepared for the Chiefs to win the AFC Championship, the game that I attended, and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, you know they're already made. Yes, they are. Where are they going to go? You see, and I will answer that question after – 
This quick break, be back in 30 seconds. Paying for cable these days just isn't really worth it. But how are you going to watch the Royals? Well, Tanner's Bar and Grill has got you covered. Located at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville, Tanner's 22 different screens will have the Royals no matter where you look. While you're there, you can grab a fresh Booga or maybe even one of the 16 different ice cold beers Tanner's has on tap. Or there are over 40 different craft beers and seasonal drinks. You can also enjoy the great summer weather at the Tanner's patio. If you can't be at the K, Tanner's is the place to be. Thank you, Tanner's. So back here on Run It Back on Wildcat 91.9, the question was, have you ever wondered what happens to all the championship jerseys and hats for the losing team? Where do those things go? The answer is they ship them overseas for charity. So that means there's going to be some kids somewhere in East Asia, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Australia, Africa, anywhere in this world is going to be wearing Boston Celtics 2022 NBA champions and Cincinnati Bengals 2022 NFL champion t-shirts and hats somewhere. That's the answer. I did not know about that. I had to look that up last night because I had to know where do all the thousands of t-shirts and hats that were made go. And that is the answer. I don't know. It may be a little anticlimactic, but that's what the answer was, and I'm glad that I gave it to you guys. Yeah, it's very interesting because growing up, you always wondered because the thing is, they're always ready. Like, obviously, Boston could not win the series last night, but they had to have had them already printed. Yep. Because what happened if the series would have shifted the other way? You know they're ready in plenty of time. So, you know, congrats to Golden State, but it is cool that those shirts just don't get thrown somewhere and burned someone is actually benefiting from them exactly in another someone is getting clothes with these t-shirts that are definitely no longer of use in america because someone walk around the streets with a 2022 boston nba championship t-shirt they're gonna be looked at real funny because they know what happened okay hold on you just said that 2022 nba champions boston yeah you brought this up the other day and i told you every time it happens it's bad luck they showed it last night the fan that got tattoo. a tattoo of his arm, <laughs> and it said, Boston Celtics 2022 NBA champions. If you're listening and you ever think about doing it, don't. don't. do it. It is a curse. Like, every time I've ever seen it, somebody posts something about it, it ha- doesn't happen. Bro. It is a curse. And I said I'm not superstitious. I mean, a little bit, I guess. What? Not just a little. But don't do it. And it's ex- the exact reason is because of that guy they showed on TV last night. He already had it stapled in, booked in, put on his arm, and now he's stuck with it. Bro, can you imagine living in constant anxiety, hoping that your team wins every single game in the series because you've got that tattoo? I can't. I don't. I don't want to live with that kind of pressure because I know this man last night was probably throwing up because now he, every time he looks in the mirror, he's gonna see that tattoo. So shout out to that man. You were a brave soul, braver than many of us and all of you who may have stupid tattoos about your team winning a championship that they never won. Props to you and prayers up. So now, Anthony, getting into K-State stuff. Goodness, we talked about NBA things for 50 minutes. Shout out to those listening to us argue about NBA stuff. But we had a lot of big-time recruits come and visit K-State for football and I'm hearing some good news about a couple of them and how their visits went. One of them being four-star QB Avery Johnson from what, Maisie? From Mays High School. From from Mays High School. In Kansas. In in Kansas. So these are – and there's a lot of four-star guys 
that are coming here and that's been visiting and all and a lot of them from Kansas. So that's what makes it just even more important because we love trying to get these Kansas guys to stay here. So can you what can you tell me more about this recruiting class and even this kid, Avery Johnson? So this is exciting. I wanted to talk about this today because every year it's you know, you always compare who gets, you know, so many of these Kansas kids, where do they go? So I went to a JUCO. Just a quick backstory, real quick. I went to a JUCO, Butler. Butler always had the most Kansas kids on their roster, more than any other in the state. Well, now look at K-State. K-State always has more Kansas kids on their roster than KU. And these kids are always talented. Some of them, you know, might be walk-ons, lower under the scholarship, or look like a Jordy Nelson. Yeah. He came and he shined. So this year there is an incredible amount of talent in the state of Kansas. A couple have already signed with K-State. One of them being Tyler Lockett's brother, Sterling. Yes, sir. Will Honus, he came in from Nebraska. A transfer. He's from Kansas. Now, granted, he's obviously played college football before, but he's from Kansas. Right, right. There's a kid from Wichita East. And then you have Wichita Collegiate's Wesley Fair. Really talented. He's going to be a defensive guy. But the guys I'm excited about are the ones that just took a visit. Avery Johnson, four-star quarterback, going to be committing soon. Had a phenomenal visit over the past weekend. Joshua Manning, another receiver from Kansas. Another four-star. Yeah, or in the area. He has been outstanding. These two guys, from everything I have heard and read, from all the guys, the beat writers that have covered it, it went phenomenal. Now, Avery Johnson's got one official visit left. He's going to Oregon, I believe, this weekend or coming yeah, he, up. Yeah, he's already he's already there. I think his his official visit started today. He showed up last night. There's a lot of talk that he is very high on the cats, which brings me to the next guy on the list, who you and I talked about, Dylan Edwards, absolute superstar running back out of Derby. Now I've got to see both of these guys play. I was telling you the story earlier. They are just incredible. If you think about this, I can't remember the, how long it will go. It was K State brought in Jake Rubley, who is yeah. was a four star. Yeah, haven't heard a lot about him since. But the recruiting has certainly picked up the four stars because Avery Johnson's a four star. Dylan Edwards, he's a four star. John Randall Jr., he's a familiar name. His cousin, as you know, played for the Dallas Cowboys from the Wichita area. Yep. All these guys we're talking about are Kansas kids. So Dylan Edwards is on his visit this weekend here. He should be here now. His dad went to K-State. And let's just set the record straight. Can you imagine how dynamic of a backfield it could be? Deuce Vaughn and Dylan Edwards. Two small, undersized guys that are incredibly fast and can make a man miss in space. Oh my goodness gracious, the entire Big 12 is going to be looking at these guys in their nightmares. Because we we all know Deuce Vaughn has torched every single team in the Big 12 and outside the Big 12 as well. So adding another one, possibly even a 2.0, we can't even fully say that, but literally another Mighty Mouse in Dylan Edwards, oh my goodness gracious. I, and I still think the Big 12 is not going to be able to figure that out. Even the new Big 12, they, they haven't even experienced it yet. So I'll just tell a brief story about these two guys. So I, I was able to call a couple of their games the past couple of years. Both times they've been a one-point game. Ooh. Mays won once, 37-36. to 36. Derby won last year, 42-41. to 
if you ever have seen any of these guys' highlights, like the, the highlights from the games, these guys are all over it. Dylan Edwards, you give the ball to him, look out, he's gone. You can have him wrapped up, he's going to find a way to get out of it. He's just going to blaze through it, just going to ride up the gut, gone. Avery Johnson, as a quarterback, he can do the same thing. And this is why I think K-State is trying so hard to get him, because they see a young Colin Klein. Oh, okay. A guy that is incredibly quick. He has got an incredible arm. But he can take it to the house with his legs if he needs to. I told you the story earlier of how we were calling the game last year, and it was fourth and 19 with a minute and a half to go. Ball gets snapped over his head, desperation mode. Picks the ball up inside the 10 and runs all the way to the other side of the field. Gets the first down and then eventually goes, ties the game up. I mean, these two guys are incredibly clutch. It would be phenomenal to see them at K-State. I mean, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. And it's honestly, they they talk about it because uh, Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards, they're really close. They've always played with each other ex- apart from them playing at, from playing at two different high schools. So they were really good friends. They're still really good friends now. They played with each other in a lot of sports growing up. Obviously go to different high schools. Now they're playing against each other. But like you and I, we're on Twitter a lot. Every now and then you see, hey, what do you think about teaming up? Yeah. So it see so it seems like if you get one, you have a higher possibility of also getting the other. And the good news is all of these guys are in so close with one another. Manning, he's great friends with Avery Johnson. Sterling Lockett has been doing his thing trying to tweet out some of these guys and get involved. And then you have Cooper Beebe's little brother, Cooper Beebe, offensive lineman for K State right now. Phenomenal. His little brother has already committed to K-State. So it is just a funnel of Kansas kids coming through. Ah. Let's hope some of these guys start committing. We know Avery Johnson's going to get a decision soon. But can you imagine in three years, K-State lands two four-star quarterbacks? I tell you what, that is – I don't think that has ever happened before. That's why getting Jake Rubley, I think it was two years ago, why that was such a big deal because I think he was the first four-star quarterback K-State has been able to get. And Imagine it, getting another one just two years later. Oh, my goodness gracious. Chris Kleiman, where have you been all our lives? Granted, no no shade to the legend Bill Snyder. But things move fast, and things are moving even faster in the world of college football. So getting these guys who seems to be, be getting better and better, younger and younger, that's going to be huge for so, this team, especially since we already have s- such high expectations for them coming into even this season. Yeah, it's... It's an exciting time to be a K-State fan, whether it's football, basketball, or even, you know, baseball had a pretty successful year. Yeah, women's basketball went to... Yeah, they made it to the NCAA tournament. Aoka Lee coming back for another 60-piece on somebody's head. So, all I'm saying is Avery Johnson, he was here last weekend on a visit, so was Joshua Manning. Dylan Edwards here now. If you follow those guys, go give them some love. We want them guys here in Manhattan because they are game-changers. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch for a long time if they're in a Wildcats jersey. Oh, goodness. Bring them on. I, we need it. We need it so, so much, especially since the other school in Kansas won't get it. That'll be even better. But, guys, that has been the end of Run It Back. And, unfortunately, I do believe this is going to be our last episode of the summer, the last show of the summer for Run It Back. But don't be sad. I'll be back as soon as fall starts. 
But if y'all want me to keep this going, just send me some money and I can go buy a mic from Best Buy. But I highly doubt that y'all will. But either way, y'all gonna suck it up and it'll be okay. Because we still got someone else coming in starting Monday to start their show. So please tune into that. It's gonna be every weekday right here on Wildcat 91.9 from 6 to 7. So appreciate y'all. Love y'all. It's been Stay a good time. Up. Thank you, Anthony, for coming in. I'll see y'all next fall.